0: Welcome to the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. I'm your host, Jim Brangenberg. Think about it. Our view of God determines what we think on all moral, cultural, and economic issues. It even determines how we vote. Hope for the future of our country and our world lies in our ability to make God the issue in every issue. Today, we're going to be talking about knowing your enemy, our enemy, as the third rule of social change. Brad Bright, thanks for being with us today great to be here, Jim. All right. So, Brad, why are we talking about enemies today?
1: Well, you know, you kind of got to know your enemy. I know sometimes it can be an uncomfortable conversation, especially as Christians, because we want to love everybody, right? If you love everybody, uh, sometimes you're like, oh, they're not really my enemy. Well, actually, you know, as followers of Jesus, there are people who want to take us out. There are people who want to silence us. And so, We've got to have, talk about the reality of, of what that means and who those people are.
0: Okay, but did
1: Jesus, did he talk about enemies? I mean, is, I mean, what did Jesus say? Well, I, well, Jesus said we would have enemies, right? He said we'd have enemies. He said, you're not greater than your masters. They hated me. They're going to hate you. I mean, by definition, if someone hates you, I, they're kind of your enemy, right? Whether you want them to be or not, that they are. You know, did Peter did Peter have enemies? Did Peter have enemies? Yeah, oh, yeah, he did. I think he had enemies. Did, did the apostle Paul have enemies? Yeah. Did, did Jesus have enemies? Yeah, they, they killed him. So all these guys have enemies. We have enemies, too. Secondly, Jesus said, love your enemies. Oh, well, what's the implication of that? The implication is, folks, you're going to have enemies. And when you do, I want you to love them. So the clear implications of Jesus' statement. There, we're going to have enemies. and then, But on, on top of that, Jesus said, you know, but I want you to be shrewd as a snake. Not only innocent as a dove, but I want you to be as shrewd as a snake. Now then, let me ask you a question. If you don't know who your enemy is and you don't know anything about him, is that being shrewd? It's not. You can't be shrewd if you don't know who your enemy is. So in order to be, obey Jesus' command to be shrewd, you got to go learn something about who the enemy is, what they want, what they value, et cetera. You know, the scripture also said Jesus knew what was in the hearts of those who wanted to take him out. Jesus knew what was in the hearts of those who wanted to take him out. So if Jesus knew that, maybe, maybe we should make a little bit of effort to figure that out ourselves. I mean, that, that's the point is, it's not because we want to do them harm, but because we want to be shrewd.
0: So. You're saying it's important that we know our enemies so we can be shrewd so we can love them? Are we just talking about personal enemies or enemies of the Christian faith? Oh no,
1: no, no. We're not talking about personal en- enemies. I mean, some people may want to make it personal, but we're talking about people who hate us because we love Jesus. I mean, that that's really the bottom line. Those who are fighting against God. I mean, the re- only reason they should hate us is because we love Jesus. If they hate us because we love Jesus, then we just keep on loving them.
0: Okay, let's set a little biblical basis for this. In the Old Testament, were the Israelites told to know
1: their enemies? Well, you remember when the the Israelites were going into the promised land? What did God tell them to do? He said, send spies in, go spy out the land. And so they did. And then Joshua, when to go before Jericho, what did he do? He sent two spies into Jericho to kind of get the lay of the land. That's just using common sense. We
0: need to know our enemy if we're going to do battle. We need to know our enemy if we're going to do battle. So you're saying this knowing our enemy thing is about battle. All right. Does it really make much of a difference to know our enemies? Well, did it
1: make any difference in World War II? Remember what happened at Pearl Harbor? We got hammered. Why? Well, the, the Japanese had shortly before then changed all their coats. And so we could not figure out what they were going to do and when they were they were going to do it. We knew something was coming sometime, but we didn't know when and where. And we got hammered. On the other hand, when we invaded Normandy, we had broke the German code. We'd broken it. We knew where all the Germans were going to be. We knew where their weak points were, and so that is where we invaded at Normandy. And that's why we were successful is because we could exploit the weak points in the German line. Did it make a difference? It made a huge difference. In one case, we got hammered, in the other case. We won because of good information about the enemy. You know, let, let me say one thing for you. Okay. I used to work for the National Republican Congressional Committee. I was a deputy director there. One of my responsibilities was to do opposition research. And so as a result, all the stuff from the opposition groups would end up on my desk. I'd sit there read and through the, through the opposition research, I mean, all the information. And based on that, I knew what, where, our, where our opponents were going to be six months from today, what they're going to be saying six months from today. And so I would prepare our talking points for our congressmen six months in advance, say, you are going to get hit with this, with these questions. You're going to get hit with this stuff. And when you do, here's how you respond. Did that help our members be more effective? You bet it did. See, that's just a practical way of when you know your enemy, you can prepare.
0: All right. So what do we know about the enemies of Christianity today? Who are they? Well, they're, they're all out there, but
1: some of the homosexual lobbies, they're clearly enemies. Why do, why do we know that? Because they're trying to shut down our religious speech. Now, here's a question for you. How did the homosexuals go from being virtual out, outcasts in culture 30 years ago to now being really in the, in the catbird seat? Do you know how they did that? They had a written plan. I, Most people, one, never crossed their mind that they have a plan, much less know that there was. And and today, if you want to go read it, go online. It was a book. It was entitled After the Ball. After the Ball, How America Will Conquer Its Hatred of Gays in the 90s. Written by two marketing guys who are brilliant marketing guys. They're homosexuals. And it was a brilliant, brilliant marketing plan. They had a plan, they worked the plan. And today, homosexuality has been mainstreamed. And yet most people don't know it was because of a a, a written deliberate plan that you can go buy today online. You can go buy used copies of After the Ball.
0: All right. Are there any other enemies we should know about? Well,
1: Muslims. Not that Muslims are bad people, but we fundamentally disagree about, about the nature of God. And that makes a real difference. Christianity, we believe God's preeminent attribute is his holiness. But in Islam, they believe Allah has 99 attributes and his his preeminent attribute is his power. Now that has huge implications for for how we deal with Muslims, especially on on an international level. If you don't understand that Muslims believe Allah's greatest attribute is preeminent attribute is his power, you don't understand Muslims. And you don't understand how to deal with Muslims. You see, look at, Look at Barack Obama and, and, and Donald Trump, right? This isn't to hold one up or, the, or, or to put the other down. Barack Obama, I'm sure, was a nice guy. I didn't know him personally. But Barack Obama was a nice guy, and yet he drew a red line in the sand, and he blanked. Donald Trump drew a red line in the sand with Jerusalem, said, we are going to acknowledge Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And despite incredible pressure, he acknowledged it. Now, then the Muslim world saw this, and they said, okay, Barack Obama, he may have power, but he's not willing to use it. Donald Trump, on the other hand, he has power, and he knows what to do with it. And so they respected Donald Trump. Not necessarily they liked him, but they respected him. So what was the result? Donald Trump uh, achieved much of the holy grail of Middle East foreign policy. He got four Muslim nations to agree to make a treaty with Israel. How many did Barack Obama get done? zero. Why? Donald Trump wielded power. Effectively, Barack Obama, he blinked. And that made all the difference in the, the, that needed to be done in the Muslim, Muslim world as to whether they would follow Barack Obama versus Donald Trump. It wasn't about whether they were nice guys or not. It was about, did they understand how to wield power? Because Muslims respect power. Not that they don't, they, they fear it like us too, but they also respect it
0: mm. because of Allah. When we come back, lots more in this conversation of knowing your enemies. Who are our enemies today? That's where we're going next. You're listening to the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Wright. We'll be right back.
2: Want to know more about how you can make God the issue in every issue? Get your copy of Brad's book, God is the Issue. Now, in its third edition, you can get your ebook copy at brightmedia.org. Even better, if you subscribe to this podcast, you'll receive a coupon. For one free download of God is the Issue ebook, Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, and get God is the Issue ebook today.
0: Hey, welcome back to the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. Today we're talking about knowing your enemy. And Brad, let's just remind everybody, why do we need to know our enemy?
1: Well, because Jesus commanded us to be shrewd. And you can't be shrewd if you don't know your enemy. I mean, it really is that simple.
0: But it's about more than that, isn't it? I mean, if we don't know our enemy, um, we can't bring about social change, right? I mean, isn't this is about impacting our culture. So uh, why do we, I mean, help flesh this out a little bit more for us.
1: I mean, not only can not we bring about social change, but we can't be effective uh, ministers of the gospel. If I don't know who I'm talking to, how am I going to know how to talk to that person? You know, one of the things I love to do is before I even present the Gospels, take 30 minutes just talking with the person, understanding who they are, what they think, how they think, and how they think about God, because then it allows me to really address the issues that are pertinent to them, pertinent about their view of God. It's far more effective. So whether it's talking about the Gospel or talking about how we bring back God back into the culture, we need to know who our enemy is so we know how to engage that conversation.
0: All right, let's just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reiterate a point to make sure we get it. Oh, as followers of Jesus, are we supposed to focus on our enemies? I thought we were just supposed to love our enemies.
1: Well, it's not an either or, <laughs> is it? And, and the point is, we don't focus on our enemies, but we don't ignore them either. We, they're there. We have to understand who they are in order to be effective. But focus on them now. We focus on Jesus. We focus on moving our agenda forward. It's like Jesus, Jesus used the parable of the uh, wheat and the tares. Jesus said, focus on growing the wheat not on pulling the tears up. So our focus is on growing the wheat, on moving forward, but we still need to know who our enemy is in order to be effective.
0: All right, so who were the enemies of Jesus
1: then? Well, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the lawyers, the educated, the the powerful. The powerful were Jesus' enemies. And how do we know that? Well, because not only did they try to kill him, they did kill him. And they were opposing him at, at every, every uh, turn they possibly could. They were trying to, to take him out of the knees. And finally, because they couldn't perceptually take him out, they literally took him out. Fortunately, he didn't stay there. But uh, yeah, so he had enemies. And Jesus said, that's why Jesus said, love your enemies. He acknowledged we have enemies out there, that he had enemies, and that therefore we will too. All
0: right. So, I mean, if you read your scriptures, you know that the Pharisees and Sadducees, you know, they weren't exactly... Jesus's best friends, for sure. He had some Pharisees that he eventually won over. But who did Jesus say our enemy is, and why is that important to note?
1: Well, our enemy is is the enemy of our soul. It it, it is Satan. He is the enemy of our soul, and he really is the instigator of everything evil in this world. So he is our 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 primary enemy. But again, we need to understand how he operates, and that's why. um we we need to be reading like uh what's the C.S. Lewis's book um on on Wormwood the screw tape letters. I drew a blank there for a moment. It's a great way of of Lewis really kind of fleshes out how the enemy works. And he does it kind of in a fun way with screw tape and, and wormwood. But it's a good book to read just so you understand how the enemy works. And we, we need to know that, but we don't focus on it.
0: What did Jesus have though to say about our enemy?
1: Well, he said he's, he's trying to destroy our souls. That is what our enemy does. He's out to destroy us. Cool. So this is not a, we are in a war. We're in a real war. It's a
0: spiritual war, though. Now, I guess I was just thinking about John 15, what he said in John 15, 18, and 19. He said, if the, if the world hates you, remember, it, it hated me first. The world, would lo- if the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you're no longer part of this world. I choose no, you to come not. out of the world. So it's, I mean, that's the world is our enemy because Satan influences this world. I, I just think it's so important to, to know that because that should make you feel good. If the world hates you, that means you're doing something Jesus said you would do. All right. Yeah. So. I been, yeah.
1: He said, the world hates you. Remember, it hated me first. So, so,
0: so talk to me about the world, Brad. Who is the world today? Oh, who is the world today? Let's, let's see.
1: Those who hate the Bible. And that say the Bible is hate speech, right? That's, that's, that's saying God has nothing to do with it. That those who fire coaches for praying, those who drag bakers and florists and, and fire chiefs in, into court because they actually believe the Bible is true and they, they're willing to talk about it and live it out each day. Those who say liquor stores are more important than churches. Remember that? That's been very recent history. And those those who say gay rights trump religious freedom. I mean, they, I'm just being real honest here. And, they, you know, it's bottom line those who are trying to rip God out of the culture who try to censor religious speech. Those people really are our enemies. Not that we hate them, but they are our enemies, and we need to acknowledge that.
0: You know, and I think that's really important. Whenever you have a conversation with a Christian, it's, it's easy to get riled up and angry and, and go, like, Well, I hate these people because they're my enemies. But that's not what Jesus said. I mean, he said to know our enemies. And he, but he also said then to love our enemies. Love them. And, and before we close out the segment, why don't we just ask that question? It's a little bit off track, but why are we supposed to love our enemies? Well,
1: are we going to return hate for hate? I mean, hate for hate will not accomplish anything. It doesn't. It, it's just a huge spitting match, right? We're to love our enemies. Why? We ultimately want to help them begin a relationship with the living God. I mean, that is what we're called to do, is to give people that opportunity. And if we hate them, we're never going to give them that opportunity, are we?
0: No, <laughs> no, no, we are <laughs> not. not. So, are there enemies within organized religion today? Are there enemies within Christianity today?
1: Hmm, let's see. Are, are, are there any folks who are in the pulpit who say the scripture's not inspired? Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, that he's not really God. God doesn't really mean what he says. Well, I know the Bible says that, but that's not what God really meant. Are are there people that do that? Are are there those that teach that God is love and then conveniently leave out that God is also holy? I mean, that creates a very lopsided view of God, you know, that God is Santa Claus rather than a judge with a heart. God is not Santa Claus, God is a judge. But fortunately for him, him, God is a judge with a heart of compassion, but he never minimizes our sin. He says, no, I forgive you if we repent. So we can go through all this. You know, even people, that, the clergy that teach that you can please God by good works. <laughs> scripture is very clear. No, you can't. Right. You please God by faith. And so there's a lot of these people that out there, there's a lot of clergy that, that really do preach a false gospel. And they're probably more dangerous than the people who will overtly come in at us. As, as uh, C.S. Lewis said, bent people are more, more dangerous to us than broken people. Hmm.
0: And on that, we'll close out this segment of the God is the Issue podcast as we talk about knowing your enemy. When we come back, we're going to make God the issue in this issue. You're listening to God is the Issue with Brad Bright. We'll be right back.
2: Brad Bright travels the country speaking and training people how to make God the issue in every issue. Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, to find out how you can bring Brad's highly interactive workshop to your area. It's fun, engaging, and most important, it will help make you more effective in making God the issue in every issue. Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, and schedule Brad today.
0: Hey, welcome back to the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. We're having a conversation today about knowing your enemy, something Jesus told us to do. Brad, knowing our enemies and believing our enemies is is maybe a, a funny thing. Imagine if the church in America actually had read that book. Uh, what did you? What was the book about homosexuals? Uh, uh, back in uh, the, the, they had a book. Then it said the book was called "After the Ball: How America after Will the Conquer." Ball, yeah. yeah. After how America will conquer its hatred of gays in the nineties. Imagine if the church, people in leadership in the church across America had read that book. And believed them because I know they heard about the book and they're like, that'll never happen. But imagine if they believed it and they had known their enemies, and the fact that their enemies have always been in this the long game. They're not in the short game, the long game. You know, Margaret Sanger was a hundred years ago. She was in the long game. She died decades ago. But they had a long game. Imagine if we believed them. How would that change things? Well, frankly, I I think our people
1: that had read the book did believe them. They took them seriously. The problem is most of our people didn't read the book, didn't know what their real plan was, and and therefore were were, um, naive to to their own detriment. But if had we known it and known what they were going to do, we could have easily combated it. I mean, one of the techniques they use is called jamming. That is, they're trying to shame you intimidate you either into silence or moving your position it's an it's a way of manipulating you emotionally now if our people had been aware of what the dynamic was then what you know what the dynamic is then you know how to respond to it but when you don't know it's a powerful psychological technique and so a lot of our people went silent because they didn't know how to respond so simply knowing what they were going to do ahead of time enables you to be more effective
0: I, i but I challenge you in this, because I was heavily involved in the church in the '90s, and I saw the wave of upcoming acceptance of homosexuality, but I never saw that on my birthday in 2015, that marriage between a man and a man or a woman and a woman would be codified in the Supreme Court of the United States. No way would I've ever believed that. No way. And I thought I knew my well, enemy.
1: Well, then you didn't. And they told us what they were going to do. they told us how they were going to do it. I mean, so you can say, and the reason why we didn't believe it is because well, it's never happened before, so it can't happen now. But no, these were when you really read the book, you realize these two guys are marketing geniuses, and they're going to be effective unless we have a counter strategy. We didn't, and they were.
0: And, and, and today, I have no problem believing. When they say they're going to do something, even though it sounds so ridiculous, I'm like, oh, this is what they really want to do. All right, let's get back. I wanted to ask that question because I remember thinking those thoughts. All right. This podcast is about making God the issue in every issue. How do we respond to our enemies, knowing our enemies? What did Jesus say?
1: Well, Jesus said that we're to love our enemies, but you know, a few years ago, a friend of mine, who's who's a strong believer now, he grew up not as a strong believer, but he he became a follower of Jesus Christ. But his dad... To the day he died, was just a cantankerous old, mean man. Well, I was I was visiting uh, my, my friend one day, and he had just come back from seeing his dad the day before, just flown back, and he was just gone. My dad is so mean, and, and I just he said I I don't know what to do, and I said okay, I said Larry, Larry, when a blind man steps on your toe, does it hurt? And he said, well, yeah. i Said, but are you offended? And he said. No, I'm not. In fact, not only not offended, we immediately, once we realize a person is blind, we volunteer. We say, how can we help, right? Well, that's where we are today. When blind people step on our toes, that is when pagans step on our toes. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It does hurt. But the difference is we don't get offended by it. Why? Because we understand they're blind and they need
0: help. So how did Jesus demonstrate that he knew his enemies?
1: Well, Jesus was always very direct. He knew who he was talking to, right? When the Pharisees came, came at him, he reframed, reframed every issue. But the point is, he was direct. He never watered down the truth. And that's why they killed him. So Jesus knew who his enemies were, and he confronted them. However, he distinguished between his enemies and those who need him. He made me clearly distinguished between those two groups because he didn't spend a lot of, waste a lot of his time trying to convince those who hated him to like him. But he would stop and talk with anyone who wanted to listen. And you see Jesus' ministry, you see a very strong dichotomy there between the two, two, two groups.
0: What about the Apostle Paul? How did he respond to his enemies? Well, again, he was very clear. He made
1: the, on the front end, he'd make the message very, very clear. If they rejected his message, he gave them a warning. Why did he give them a warning? He gave them a warning because he loved them. But then he would withdraw and focus on those who had accepted Christ. He focused on growing the wheat rather than on pulling the wheats. You know, it's the same thing Jesus modeled. You focus on growing the wheat. And Jesus told us to focus on growing the wheat.
0: <sighs> okay, but both Paul and Jesus... they said we're supposed to love our enemies. Can you explain their perspective?
1: Well, and you need to understand what they meant by love. By love, they didn't say, give him what he wants. (laughs) Give her what she wants. By love, they, they asked the question, what does this person need from me? What does this person need to hear? Do they need to hear the unadulterated truth? No ifs, ands, or buts? Or do they need me to reach in and touch a hurt in their life and, and come alongside of them in the midst of their hurt and pain? See, their goal was to always give the person in front of them what that person needed, needed right. to be done, needed to hear. And, you know, let me, let me just say, what did that look like? Oh, with the wealthy, he oftentimes, you know, the powerful, really, he drew a line in the sand, didn't he? With women. He lifted them up with, with, and he gave them a value, which they didn't have in that culture. The down tribe, he lifted them up. With seekers, he gave them answers. And that's, that's what it looked like.
0: I love that. That's good. Those are good reminders. All right. So in light of all of this information, how should we be responding to our enemies today? What, what are some of the things? I mean, you just said it, but let's just say it again, because this, this is a tough concept. Loving your enemies, knowing your enemies, I got things I'd
1: rather do. Well, again, love means we give them what they need. Not what they want. Sometimes those are two very different things, but what they need. We then invest in those who respond to the, to the love of God and the message of God. We begin to invest in their lives. But we don't waste a lot of time fighting with our enemies. Jesus didn't waste a lot of time doing that. Paul didn't waste a lot of time doing that. Peter didn't waste a lot of time doing that. They always made the, 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 the message very, very clear. And they were always willing to engage with people who wanted to engage, but they didn't waste their time fighting their enemies. They looked for those whom God was drawing their heart, and they invested in them.
0: Okay, so let's say we put this into practice, knowing our enemies and loving our enemies. How do you think this approach, making God the issue in this issue of our enemies, how will it impact our culture? What do you think?
1: Well, here's what we're offering people: we're offering people peace with God. We're offering people. Peace. Do we live in a culture full of alienation? Oh, we do. People are alienated all over the place. I mean, Uvalde, you know, violence. That alienation causes caused Salvador Ramos to act out in violence. Suicide today. Look at suicide. Talk about alienation from ourselves. Suicide is the, big, the third biggest killer of 10 year olds today. 10 year olds. Alienation just permeates our, our culture. I mean, do we have turbulent relationships? I mean, what do we just see? Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, right? And they were going after each other in court, in public, and they were destroying each other publicly. Were they alienated? Yeah, they were alienated from each other because of their own sinful natures. And you look at divorce today, inside, outside the church, it is rampant. Why? Because of alienation. God offers peace. And that is what we have to offer this culture that, you know, Jesus said, peace, I give you. And it's internal peace, not this external peace that says you don't have problems. No, Jesus said, you're going to have problems, but my peace, I give you that internal peace. I, I can remember 1983, I was with my dad, big event in Kansas City, probably, I don't know, five or 10,000 students sitting in an auditorium. And a person came up and said, Dr. Bright, you have a call. And he went and took the call and I watched his face and he started bawling. But I saw something I've never forgotten. I saw incredible sorrow and incredible joy on his face at the exact same moment. You see, the call was, Dr. Bright, your mother just passed away. My dad loved his mother. So I we'll talk about incredible sorrow. But at the same time, God flooded his heart with peace. And I saw those two emotions on his face at the exact same time. It was an amazing experience to see those two emotions cohabit one habit, the same person at the same moment. See, that's the peace of God in the midst of our sorrows. He comes and gives us his peace. Can you imagine if our culture could begin to experience the peace that Jesus promised? Would it change our culture? Yeah. Would it take care of the violence? You bet. Would it take care of the divorce rate? You bet. Would it take care of all the angst in culture? Yeah. Yeah, it would. See, we have something to offer the culture that the culture doesn't have, and it's the peace that passes all understanding.
0: Hmm. Brad Bright, thank you. Great conversation on knowing our enemy. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for joining us today on the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. Remember, please check us out online. Our website full of great resources, brightmedia.org. Maybe you'd like that, Brad, come speak at your organization, your event coming up, Bright Media. O-R-G. Remember, always be kind during these kinds of conversations about making God the issue. Always be compassionate and always be shrewd while making God the issue in every issue.